Fine, I'll do as you ask. This is the LifeSpring One-Year Bible coming to you from Riverside, California and podcasting since 2004. I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is a daily podcast and we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. I'm glad you're with me today. It's Gospel Saturday and we're going to read Luke 5 and 6. I'm calling this episode, Let's Go Out Into the Deep End. Before we read, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, how we thank you for your word and for this time that we can gather around it together. I pray that you would bless our time together. I pray that you would touch our hearts, touch our minds, and teach us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's begin. Luke chapter 5. Now Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing around him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but at your word I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets started to tear. So they motioned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they were about to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For Peter and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's business partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. So when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came to him who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he bowed down with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So he stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be clean and immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered the man to tell no one, but commanded him, Go and show yourself to a priest, and bring the offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds were gathering together to hear him and to be healed of their illnesses. Yet Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Now on one of those days, while he was teaching, there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting nearby, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with him to heal. Just then some men showed up, carrying a paralyzed man on a stretcher. They were trying to bring him in and place him before Jesus. But since they found no way to carry him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down on the stretcher through roof tiles right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Then the experts in the law and the Pharisees began to think to themselves, Who is this man who is uttering blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their hostile thoughts, he said to them, Why are you raising objections within yourselves? Which is easier, to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Stand up and walk? But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralyzed man, 
I tell you, stand up, take your stretcher and go home. Immediately he stood up before them, picked up the stretcher he had been lying on, and went home, glorifying God. Then astonishment seized them all, and they glorified God. They were filled with awe, saying, We have seen incredible things today. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax booth. Follow me, he said to him. And he got up and followed him, leaving everything behind. Then Levi gave a great banquet in his house for Jesus, and there was a large crowd of tax collectors and others sitting at the table with them. But the Pharisees and their experts in the law complained to his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, Those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick do. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they said to him, John's disciples frequently fast and pray, and so do the disciples of the Pharisees, but yours continue to eat and drink. So Jesus said to them, You cannot make the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them, can you? But those days are coming, and when the bridegroom is taken from them, at that time they will fast. He also told them a parable. No one tears a patch from a new garment and sews it on an old garment. If he does, he will have torn the new, and the piece from the new will not match the old. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins and will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. Instead, new wine must be poured into new wineskins. No one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for he says, The old is good enough. Luke chapter 6 Now it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields. And his disciples plucked the heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them in their hands. And some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? But Jesus answering them said, Have you not even read this, what David did when he was hungry, he and those who were with him? How he went into the house of God? took and ate the showbread, and also gave some to those with him, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat? And he said to them, The Son of Man is also Lord of the Sabbath. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught. And a man was there whose right hand was withered. So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely, whether he would heal on the Sabbath, that they might find an accusation against him. But he knew their thoughts, and said to the man who had the withered hand, Arise and stand here. And he arose and stood. Then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save life or to destroy? And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as whole as the other. But they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who also became a traitor. And he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all Judea and Jerusalem, 
and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, who came near to him and be healed of their diseases, as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went out from him and healed them all. Then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, Blessed are you poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you when men hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and cast out your name as evil for the Son of Man's sake. Rejoice in that day, and leap for joy, for indeed your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you, and from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return. And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will clearly see to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from the bramble bush. A good man, out of the good measure of his heart, brings forth good, and an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house, who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. 
And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house, and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's talk for a little bit about uh, chapter 5 and the scene with Jesus and Simon and the crowd by the lake. Now, Jesus' first request of Simon didn't require much faith from Simon, did it? Jesus got into Simon's boat and asked Simon to put out a little way from the shore. That's all he asked. Take me out just a little way, Simon. Jesus wanted to speak to the people who had been pushing and crowding him so they could hear the word of God. Now, picture the scene. Simon Peter, called Simon at this point in Luke's gospel, and some other fishermen were by the lake with their two boats, washing their nets after having been out all night, trying unsuccessfully to make their day's catch. Jesus is being followed by a throng of people anxious to hear him teach. And when Jesus sees the boats, he decides to get into one of them and speak to the crowd from a short distance away, using the water as a way to put some space between himself and the people, and also to use the water as a sort of acoustic aid so that more people can hear. The sound of his voice would carry as it bounced off the surface of the water. Well, the fishermen were tired. They had worked all night long, and they were frustrated because of the lack of anything to show for their work. And now Simon, the one that, as we get to know him, is most prone to emotional outbursts, is asked to stop cleaning his net and take Jesus out in his boat. Now, we're not told what Simon's reaction is when Jesus makes this request, but I can imagine that Simon was less than thrilled, can't you? I think that he was probably looking forward to going home to get cleaned up and grab some shut-eye. And I doubt that he hid his frustration from Jesus. Nonetheless, Simon takes Jesus out on the boat, and he becomes a captive audience in the process. He has to listen to Jesus' sermon. Don't you just love Jesus? I don't think that his decision to go out on Simon's boat was an accident, do you? Well, anyway, Luke does not tell us what Jesus said in his sermon, but after his message to the people, Jesus tells Simon to go out into the deep water and put his nets back out for a catch. So what's happening here? Jesus is asking Simon to do something that requires more faith. And what does Simon do? He says, Master, which is a term of respect for a person of high status, we worked hard all night and we caught nothing, but at your word I will lower the nets. So in sort of a backhanded way, Simon says, Sir, we've been at this all night. The fish aren't here. We know this lake. We've been fishing it for years. We know what we're doing. But okay, fine, I'll do as you ask. Maybe it's because Simon knew Jesus' reputation. Maybe it's because of what Jesus had said in his message to the people. Maybe it's because of the way Jesus asked. Maybe it's a combination of those things. But Simon, against his better judgment, lowered the nets. Of course, the fish filled the nets, and Simon had to call the other fishermen to come and help bring the fish in. And both boats were filled with fish. And then what happened? Simon fell down at Jesus' knees. This is his way of acknowledging that Jesus is worthy of worship. Jesus first approached Simon and asked for a little faith, and then a little more, and then more. I've discovered, beloved, that God often works like this. 
When I was very young in my faith, I used to think that living the Christian life would get easier as I grew older. I thought that once I learned to trust him, life would get easier and easier. But I have learned that he asks for more and more faith. Now, in a way, it has become easier to trust him because he has always shown himself to be trustworthy. But life getting easier? I'm not so sure about that. Simon Peter found that when he took Jesus out a little way from shore, he got the benefit of hearing Jesus teach. And then he found that when Jesus asked him to go into the deep water, he was richly rewarded with a catch of his life. He found that putting his faith in Jesus forever changed his life and ultimately his eternity. And Jesus is still asking us today, let's go out into the deeper water. Are you ready to go out into the deeper water, beloved? I know that in my own life, it's good to be reminded of that question. How about you? What are your thoughts? Let me know. Call the LifeSpring Family Hotline at plus one nine five one seven three two eighty five eleven or send a boostergram with a note. You can also go to comment.lifespringmedia.com or email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. Tomorrow will be Epistle Sunday and we'll begin the book of Galatians with chapters 1 through 3. Anonymous came in today with his weekly $22.22 row of ducks donation, as did Michael Hayner with his weekly striper donation of $7.77. Well, you know what that means, right? They're today's associate producers. Thank you so much, you two. Your consistent support really helps to keep the show going. Huge thanks and God bless you. LifespringMedia.com slash support Tomorrow I'll be drawing three names for giving away three copies of the Jesus Revolution book. And if you haven't sent in your name yet, the clock is winding down. However... You have a tiny reprieve if the 4 p.m. Pacific time deadline tomorrow is too tight for you. Can't imagine why it would be since you're listening now, but that's okay. The lovely Lady Leanne's employer is part of the Hendrick Automotive Group, and Rick Hendrick is the owner of several NASCAR teams. And Leanne got an invitation to go to Sunday's big race at the Ontario Raceway. Well, not only do we get complimentary tickets for the race— but they're giving us VIP access to the pits and VIP seating with the Hendrick Group right next to the track. Pretty cool, right? But wait, there's more. If a Hendrick driver wins, we'll be able to go to the winner's circle too. So if you're a NASCAR fan and you plan to watch the race, look for us in the winner's circle. (laughs) We'll be the couple with grins almost as big as the winner. All this to say, we won't be back home until sometime in the evening. And as a matter of fact, I might even be posting Monday show later than the 10 p.m. time I always shoot for. Anyway, I want you to have a copy of the Jesus Revolution book. It's easy to enter. All you have to do is send an email to me at steve at lifespringmedia.com with the subject line, I want a Jesus Revolution, or send a boostergram to me with those words. So if you want one, get that email or boostogram to me as soon as possible before you forget. After the drawing, it will be too late. I want a Jesus revolution. How about you? And go watch the movie. Send a message to Hollywood that you want more good, wholesome, Jesus-based movies. Then afterwards, let me know what you thought about the movie. New mail notification. LifeSpring family Berean brother Paul of Seattle sent this note in to me. 
He said, Hi, Steve. In the beginning prayer of the Jeremiah 42 through 46 episode, you prayed, So we can know you, so we can grow to love you. Paul says, This reminded me of something a pastor said to Colleen and me when we were doing premarital counseling. Love isn't just a feeling, it's an action, and it's a choice. And even when you may not feel like loving, remember to choose love. Paul said, that's a paraphrase from 13 years ago, but it's the gist. Paul continues, when you prayed so we can grow to love you, it dawned on me. We may not have that instant love feeling either, or at all, and it will fade, which means the love we have for God is a choice we make. And he says, I'm going to ignore the predestination tangent here. And it's something that can and should grow over time. As I write this, I'm thinking faith is the first part of that love journey because our faith shows we trust God. And while trust and love aren't required to be together, they can be related. He says, this actually does go with Israel promising to follow God's word through Jeremiah, then ignoring it when it wasn't what they wanted to hear. They could look like they loved God if God's plan would have told them what they wanted to hear, but when it didn't, it was obvious that they were choosing to love themselves instead which is something we all have done to God and to other people. Anyway, time to go for a walk in 50-degree weather. <laughs> and he signed Paul. Well, Paul, yikes, 15 degrees is cold. I just came in from a fitness walk between episodes of rain here at home, and it was a windy 49 degrees. Uh, much respect for going out into 15 degrees, Brother Paul. And yes, I said respect. <laughs> Thank you for your note, Brother Paul. I completely agree with your premarital counseling pastor. I've said it on the show many, many times over the years. Love is an action. It's a decision. After 33 years of wedded bliss with the lovely Lady Leanne, I can say that there are certainly times when love is more of a decision than a feeling. Emotions come and go, but the decision carries you through the ebbs and flows. And I'll say this too. The reason I prayed that prayer with those words is that the more we know about someone, the more familiar we become with their thoughts and motivations when those things are pure, the deeper our love becomes. And in His Word, God has given us so many reasons to love Him. Every time I go through the Bible, my devotion becomes deeper and richer. So thank you, Paul, for your note and the opportunity to go just a bit deeper with those thoughts. I appreciate you, Brother Paul. God bless you. Remember, beloved, tomorrow will be our next time of prayer together. Let me know your prayer requests or praises. Go to prayer.lifespringmedia.com or call the LifeSpring family hotline at plus one nine five one seven three two eighty five eleven. Let us rejoice with you or pray with you. And of course, I'll pray for you in my own quiet time. And of course, if you want to remain anonymous with your prayer request, you can do that. Thanks to today's artist, Jason Paschal, who did today's show art, and thanks to Sister Denise, Michael Hayner, Scott Snyder, and Brittany, who just sent out the latest newsletter. If you're not yet subscribed, go to news.lifespringmedia.com. Of course, I will never sell your information. I won't share your email address with anybody. It stays in-house. And thanks to today's associate producers, Anonymous and Michael Hayner. I'm so thankful. God bless you guys. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. My name is Steve Webb. I'll see you after the race. Bye. 
programmes in the LifeSpring Media family are made possible by the generous gifts of people like you.